Welcome to 3 In, 3 Out, the most unique Seahawks podcast. On 3 In, 3 Out, we like to dive deep into the micro moments of the game, the nooks and crannies, if you will, because that's what fanatics do. I'm your host, Clinton Bonner. Find me on Twitter at Clinton Bonner. And I'm joined by the great Brandon Schultz and find him at Seahawkers Pod on Twitter. All right, Flock, let's dive into the sober yin and raging yang that is three in, three out. Go Hawks. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to the newest episode of Three In, Three Out, the most unique Seahawks podcast out there. I'm your host, Clinton Bonner. Find me on Twitter at Clinton Bon. I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. Brandon, I'm going to say it. I'm going to go right at it. There's no other way to to splice it or dice it. It doesn't matter. You could sham wow it. You could ring it out. We we got our butts kicked. Man, you can say sham wow it, but I would say this was a slap chop type game because my eyes were watering by the end of it. Yeah, yeah, and it's not supposed to be, right? The slap chop's supposed to protect you from all the onions and everything else. I got one. It It, doesn't do anything. it, it, it just makes a lot of noise and leaves, you know what it does? It makes a lot of noise and leaves a freaking mess with the veggies you can't even use. Kind of like this game. This game made a lot of noise. We got kicked in the shins. We got our lunch money taken away from us. Russ got hit. I, it looked like 70, I, I think 72 times in this game. And the Bills, they say nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. And at this point, I, I got to believe him, Brandon. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm like Glass Joe after t- two knockdowns. One more, I'm out for the TKO. Not feeling great this week, but we got to be here to do this for the good people of the flock. So, Brandon, how, you know, what's, what's your life like right now? How are you doing? I just have to say, Clinton, I was, for one, actually looking forward to the show because literally any positive play that you talk about will not be one that has been widely covered. Every in will be in the crannies. So this this might be one of the few podcasts where you get some positivity to to balance out the negativity. Yeah, that that is that's a fair point. You know, three in, three out being the unique broadcast that it is, it is about that balance of the good, the bad, the facts of life as you were, you know, and 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 we all know they all can't be Joe and Blair's and sometimes they turn up Natalie's. No offense, Nat, but you know, we're, we're gonna tell the truth on this show. But right now, you and I got to play the role of Mrs. G, Mrs. Garrett, and start this thing off. We don't get the W, we fall to six and two to the Buffalo Bills. They smacked us around, so let's get right to it. Let's rip the bandaid off and get to that first out right now. All right, Brandon, let's start this thing. Uh, it's unfortunate we take the big, the big, I almost said W, geez, the big <laughs> L. I wish we took a W. I'll take a W right now, but we took the L against these bills. Brandon, I'm going back to something I've talked about a couple of times now. I think at least twice, this might be the third time, which is making not once, not twice, but thrice, that I've got to call this out. My first out starts before the game even starts. Oh. There's, yes. Yeah, there, is, there were so few outs in this game, you had to really reach to find an out that was outside the scope of the 60 minutes of this game. Well, we talk about the crannies, right? We talk about them nooks and the buttery crannies, so why not start right right with it? Is it is it the Seahawks just getting on the flight to, to go to Buffalo? Is that no, where we start? No, the flight was fine. The <laughs> flight was fine. Was, I'm sure it was a lovely flight that, you know, they tried the veal piccata. Everybody was happy with the flight from what I from what I could, you know, sense and vibe. I'm talking about the scent, the, the idea that when we win the toss, the coin toss, this team has got to stop deferring. 
Mm. We cannot. And so right away, the out to the coaches for thinking that this team is anywhere like past teams where if we win the toss, we defer and kick the ball off to another team. This has happened a couple of times this year. And in my opinion, th- we're putting by far, it's, I mean, it's not close, diametrically opposed, by far the worst of two units on the field first. And what we're doing is we're giving good teams that could be aggressive, like we could talk about what the Bills did to us all day long. We're giving them an opportunity to set the tone and change our plan out of the gate. So we win the toss, we defer. Okay, we, we have been great on special teams. We let up a you know a pretty big, pretty big return, like a 45-yard return or so. I think they take it, you know, past or maybe even more. I think they take it past uh past Yeah, they're the right half about half midfield. Court. Yeah, right about the half court there. So they cross the 50 and like bingo bango bongo. I think it's three plays later and and they're in the end zone. We are nowhere good enough a defense that we could defer. Let's put our best players on the field first. That's our offense. Take it to them, set the tone, and make them change the game plans. Brandon, throwing that one over to you. I'm trying to go through my mind on just how this team has started off when they have started with the ball. Because I think back to the San Francisco 49ers game is one that comes to mind where they did get the ball first to start the game and they went three and out. And there was the other game against the Cowboys earlier this year where they started with the ball and they went three and out. I think I do remember at least one touchdown that they started the when they started with the ball. And I'm not just talking about the first drive. I'm talking about receiving the opening kickoff and then scoring a touchdown. They've only done it once and it was against the Arizona Cardinals. I just it it strikes me that this is a team that they're not great at starting. Even even mm-hmm. after the Bills put up two touchdowns, they didn't look great at starting. And that second drive, they did drive down. They were in position to get points, but they just don't appear ready when on offense to immediately drive down the field and score points when they get the ball first. You know, that that could be. And, and one other thing I'd, I'd love to ask you to kind of check in on, too. Um, you know, you, you don't know what I'm going to say on three and three out. I kind of lob these over real time and, and, and you're a wizard pulling things out, uh, you know, pulling things out of the hat there that are cool stats or, or things that back up the point or just looking at the ledgers and, and figuring out if, if, if this is based in logic or just emotion or somewhere in between. But the other part of deferring is the the idea, the dependency that a we're going to get the ball, we'll get the ball with like two two minutes left to four minutes, four minutes left, and we'll convert some points before halftime. That has kind of failed a bunch this year. And the bigger one is that we get the ball to start the second half, right. and we're going to be and we're going to be you know lights out. We're going to be in our game plan at that point, just rolling and steaming. I kind of feel like I don't know what the data says, but I. Just going off the memory banks here, I kind of feel like we have, when when we have deferred and we have gotten the ball in the second half, that hasn't come up roses all that often either. So, you know, that, that kind of, in my opinion, bolsters the point that let's not put our weak sauce defense out, period, when we have a choice. Well, just looking at this game, they were in position to make it work really well for themselves. If they because they did get the ball back with four minutes left, they did score on that drive. Unfortunately, it was just a field goal to end the second quarter, but it did, you know, it put them in range 24 to 10 
uh, rather than going into halftime 24 to 7. But if they were in position and the offense was clicking and say they do get a touchdown there, they go into halftime 24-14, then they come out of the half and they have the ball that gives them the opportunity to go 24-21. And that was kind of at least my thought. You know, I'm, I'm doing the positive thinking like Russell Wilson and, and saying to myself, OK, get the touchdown here, get the ball out of ha- after halftime. And, you know, they just uh, coming out of the half. That was Russell Wilson. That was the, the sack fumble by Hughes that he forced. And then they're able to turn that around in an easy field goal and, and help them put the game out of reach even farther. So uh, just in Buffalo, you could say that it was it was set up to work. They just uh, didn't execute that very well. But let me go back just to see what the next previous game was where they won the toss and deferred to where to where that was uh, something in play because they lost the toss. If I remember right to the 49ers, the last game where they won the toss and deferred would have been the Vikings in uh, what was that week five. And so I see where you kind of get that feeling because they gave up, you know, a, a Kirk Cousins touchdown drive straight out of the gate. Puts the defense on their heels. The Seahawks got the ball back with 314. But then uh, Chris Carson had a negative six yard run. Russell Wilson had an eight yard sack. Third and 24. And they're putting the ball back to the Vikings, which actually allowed them to score in the final two minutes. So and then coming out of the half there, too, they they just they didn't score. It was uh, that was the the run, run, run that oh, uh, that, yes. that came out of halftime. And so that was just kind of a that that's a bad game to look at. But so, yes, with with the game against Buffalo and looking back to the Vikings game, I can see how you feel frustrated by that. Yeah, so I think that's a perfect example to look at. And, and, and I don't think it's recency bias. I think this happened a couple a couple of other times, potentially this year as well. We don't have to go back further still. But right. that's a but the Vikings one's a, a great example as well. And this one, too, is just, you know, the, hey, that Vikings game, I, I if you remember, um, we probably should have lost that game, right? I mean, that was a game we probably should have lost. We won it. Awesome. But we're, we're six and two after eight. Any Seahawks fan who's uh, who's telling you the truth would say preseason. If you said, hey, six and two at the at the eight game marker, would you sign right now? Hey, uh, Russ is healthy and most of the team is healthy and we're six and two. Yeah. Let me sign the dotted line right now because that because that's that is the reality. So we'll talk about that, I'm sure, a little bit you know, as we get into the into the goodness that is that actually was there in this game. However, to wrap up this point, it's to me, you just you have very different sides of the ball. Put your best foot forward first. Right now, that means get Russ out there, get the offense out there. If we win the friggin' coin, coin toss, take the friggin' ball and put pressure on their team so they get out of their game plan and we're not staring at a 7 nothing deficit. I don't want to see that any more times the rest of this season into the playoffs and as we march into what I still believe will be a Super Bowl appearance. And well, I'll just stop right there. Let's stop with the appearance. Don't want to jinx it, that's all. All right, Brandon. So there, you know, yes, bad loss. And then we talked about it. Kicked in the shins. Our lunch money stolen. Russ really beaten up. Russ took a lot of hits. Oh, boy, did Russ take hits. Yeah, 72 times, if I remember the statistic correctly, that you brought up in the open. It was 7,200 <laughs> times that he was hit in this game alone, which was an NFL record, they said. I think that would be a record. 
I think it, I, think I don't even have to look that up. I think that would be a record. <laughs> I agree. I, I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. And with that, there was it's still... a lot easier, Clinton, when you can just make the stats up and you don't have to look it up. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, it's you know, it's hey, this is why I have a partner here. And right? it feels right. So, you know, what's <laughs> what's the point in looking at? Yeah, that's I think it was as Bart Simpson said, right? Do what you feel like. Right. Or, or he was told. Right. Uh, didn't end so well for Springfield, by the way, if you if you uh, remember that episode. However, but there are things to look at that were good. And and so we're on the inside of the ledger. And I want to point out that when when we wanted to do the things that I think we wanted to do from the from the out of the gate, I think we were fairly successful with them. And a big one for me was when we wanted to run the ball early, even down 14 nothing, we were running the ball effectively. And in one play in particular, we're down 14 nothing to the Bills and they do a you know a student body right sweep right where they got dudes pulling. And you see you see Shell out on the edge just destroying a guy very much like Dwayne Brown a couple of weeks ago. And DJ Dallas gets around the edge, goes up for like 12 or 14 yards, and it was humming. And we looked good and we looked in rhythm and we looked like we could bully this team. So I want to, I want to, you know, in a game where we, we lose pretty badly, I want to focus on that and say, if we're not taken out of our game completely, even with a dude like DJ Dallas, who is not Chris Carson, and he's not Carlos Hyde for that matter, we could still run the ball really effectively. And I thought the offensive line did a pretty good job in the attempts and the chances they had. We just got taken out of what we wanted to go do by, you know, getting down in a big deficit. So for me, I'll give the in there specifically to Shell. Great job getting out there. Great job just killing a dude way, way downfield. And, you know, in these kind of in this kind of game where we lose big, we got to look at these micro moments and say there are things to take out of that. In the weeks past, it was always like, hey, Brown's killing, Brown's killing the running game. He's doing his thing. I saw some of that from Shell this week, so I want to highlight it. Yeah, in terms of the PFF grades for the offensive line run blocking, it was Damian Lewis and Brandon Shell who were the two highest graded members of the offensive line. DK Metcalf also had a nice run blocking grade in this game. It was disappointing that they got out to the deficit they did, because I think you're right, Clinton. I think this... It, it plays into your last out is if the Seahawks get the ball first, they're running the ball and they're probably setting this offense up for success throughout the game rather than playing from that deficit the entire time. Russell Wilson isn't having to, uh, you know, try and make so much happen through the passing game if they're able to attack this defense with a very balanced offense. And I think this was it, it set up well to do that against this Bills defense because I think we saw that they weren't all that great against a team that could run the football. And yeah, I think they could have gotten by without Chris Carson and without Carlos Hyde in this game. They, I think they would have been just fine with DJ Dallas. You, you mentioned the one 10 yard run there. There was the other touchdown run by Dallas where he was just I mean, I don't think a single dude touched him from about yep. 10 yards out. So I think this ties in kind of with your out. And I'm glad we get to call out a guy like Brandon Shell, who just he he hasn't been. I think recognized as uh, the the big piece signed in this offseason that uh, he's come to show us so far. Yeah, he's working out. He's playing well, and and it is it is nice that we do get to to, to put a little shine on him in a game where no one's going to be talking about a, a you know a sweep right where Brandon Shell leads the way. Except for we're going to do that on on three and three out, of course. The bigger point that you're making there is I think we were out coached. 
You know, I think, I think we were out schemed, out game planned and out coached. So we were in a position where we, we had to throw away what we intended to do. Mm-hmm. And I mean, of course, it's always execution at, at the end, of, at the end of the end there. However, if you're, if you're not coached the right way, you're not planning for the right, the right things. Well, then you find yourself, you know, gobsmacked and down 14, nothing and not able to execute a plan that you do. You wanted to go execute. So are you, are you trying to shift one of our ins into an out? I, Is that I'm what you're not, doing here? No, let's go back to Brandon <laughs> Shell. Also, uh, not only was he solid in run blocking, but solid in pass blocking. Uh, he gave up zero pressures in this game and uh, as, was also one of the, the top rated pass blockers. Yeah, the dude did a good job. Let's end in the positive and in for, you know, a, a most of the league don't doesn't know who Brandon Shell is. There's probably lots of Seahawks fans who don't even know who Brandon Shell is, but we do. So let's let's stick with that positivity and that in. And now let's get over to the outside of the ledger. Let's do it after the break, Clint. Sounds fine. Okay, Brandon, we're back, and unfortunately, we're on the outside of the ledger, and this, this is, hey, this is the way the cookie crumbles when you lose the game, as we did to the Buffalo Bills. So let's, let's again, this is about ripping the Band-Aid off, a little bit about it being cathartic. Hopefully, you get a few moments of laughter and, and at least some camaraderie, and understanding that the way you felt is the way that I felt, the way that Brandon felt, and we'll talk about it all together as, as we heal together. And remember, we're still six and two. So let's let's take that deep breath and go, we still got Russ. We're six and two. We still got DK. We're gonna be, we still got Bobby. We're gonna be okay. But this loss is again, you gotta face the music and say, we got our butts whipped. So part of that is this second out right here. Brandon, I always like to paint the picture a little bit, you know, put the liquid white on the canvas, if you will. If you're Bob, a Bob Ross fan out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You set the canvas. It's 14 nothing, and we're getting really close to the goal line, right? Where maybe it's within the 10 or so. I I don't exactly know where. You can you can fill in the blanks if you want to. I'm gonna look at the the two play combination of that third and one run to Homer. Mm-hmm. And then followed up by the, by the way, the out is the skybox shoddy. The third and one run is bad enough. It was, it was not, not well uh, executed. It was fairly poorly blocked. And we've seen, I've seen, I'll speak for me. I've seen enough to know that Travis Homer, unfortunately, is at best a, third down blocking back in this league, and he's not much more. He doesn't have a lot of vision. He does not have a lot of power, and he doesn't have a lot of hit-the-hole-hard type of guy. You put that combination together on third and one run, you get what you get. And in this case, we can get upset. You know, he gets stuffed. Then it's the fourth and one play. The fourth and one play is actually where I have more, even more ire, because it was, they ran a play that is like the most obvious fourth and one. Like we're gonna now we're gonna do play action. You know we're not gonna do that here on second. We're not we're not gonna do it on third and one. On fourth and one, we're gonna go play action, and it's gonna be like that the one root dependency where it's like oh if the running back if the running back is not covered by a linebacker, great we have an easy easy touchdown. But it's like to me the Seahawks kind of flipped over some cards that were like the most obvious play call card at the most obvious time to defend or or just position yourselves against that play. And as soon as as soon as Russ 
tucked it away and started to like, you know, go for the play action. I was just like, I started to crumble. I'm like, no, this is covered. It was covered from Jump Street. So the third and one combo with the fourth and one play call, big out for me. We turned the ball over, get no points. It's still 14 nothing. It's just these moments where you're taken out of what you want to go do, and then you compile, and it is deflating, right? It's a big-time deflator. That's what it felt like it still does. Brandon, over to you. Just, just throwing it back. Throw it to your side. What do you what help me out? Yeah, help I want to go back to the third and one because that was that play. I don't know about you, but when I saw that play developing, when I saw David Moore coming in motion, I'm like, okay, hand the ball off to David Moore and get yes, that dude outside yes, with some speed. Yes. And and that was what I was hoping for. And then when he handed it off to Homer, I'm like, oh, really? Man. And uh, I just want to, I want to pit stop right there and say, thank you. Thank you for just helping. It's like, thank you, you bastard. Right. <laughs> so thank you for helping me crystallize that memory and remember that. And I just, and real quickly, but same exact thing. You saw, you saw more just with a head of steam, like, I mean, jet sweep right there. And the dude's probably turning the corner for three, four, five yards. There were so many instances, even on some, um, some RPOs and things of that nature, this game where it's like, if we just choose, it's like choose your own adventure. And it seemed like every time we chose our own adventure in this game, it was like you were you were spiiked with a death needle seventy two times and you lost. Yeah, and except a, you can't put your finger in the page and go back and say, "Oh no, no, I, that's not what I meant to choose." You you do not have that option when playing in the NFL. Exactly. There's there's no there's no finger backing that you couldn't go backwards. And man, oh man, Brandon, you you, you crystallized that one for me, and you got me all emotional over here. Okay, Brandon, we're back on the inside of the ledger and I'm a little bit picked up. You could tell, you could tell already my shoulders feel better. I did 22 push-ups over here, 22 for sniper Mike Bossy out there, the old school hockey. Anybody out there who loves some hockey, the, the old school Islander sniper, one of the best in the business. So whenever I get sullen or downtrodden, I think about a dude who could put the biscuit in the basket, like, like, and then I go do 22 push-ups and I come right back to talk about my Seahawks. So here we are again. So Brandon, here's an in for us to kind of get around and be fired up about 24 to 10. This is after Russ, uh, you know, fumbles. People are people are mad at Russ this week. Oh, you can't turn the ball over this much. Yeah, you, you can't let your quarterback get hit 72 times either. And you can't have third and forevers with pressure on top of a dude and not expect him to turn the ball over when you got to pass the ball because you're taken out of your game. Now, now listen, Russ is going to own some of this. That's fine. But in this instance, we're talking about it in Russ gives up the ball, the defense right after that. So they, the bills are deep, deep in Seattle zone after that turnover. Right. And first and 10, this is one of the only times in the entire game with, I think we, I believe we only rushed four dudes and we got to the quarterback. Brandon, do you remember which Seahawk you know, gets this in. Can you, can you pull this one out? Yeah, it's, I can see the the number on his jersey clear as day because he's big number 43 playing on the that's defensive right. line. That's that's exactly right. So Dunlap, so it turns out Dunlap is good, right? I mean, like, can we just, can we just, you know, embrace that idea? I don't that, know. I, I heard from Bengals fans, he's, he's washed. Yeah, he's washed with two and a half sacks on the day, right? <laughs> so he bull rushes his guy. He makes his dude, he makes his dude look silly and he just gets right to Allen. I think this is the one where he kind of almost choke holds Allen all the way down. I'm pretty sure it was. And he It and was Allen's, a noogie position, right? Where you, it, it where was. you get the arm around his neck and and if <laughs> if he would have had yeah. his helmet off. 
Carlos Dunlap would have given uh, Josh Allen a noogie. He would have given him a noogie. That that's exactly what he had to do, and that's because the guy's seven foot twelve. So how else how else he gonna tackle a guy like that? But the end does go to Dunlap, and then frankly, the rest of the defense. That's the series where we get the the Beasley OPI, and then they only kick a field goal. So as crappy as that was in a loss. That was a big stand that kept that kept the game alive. And oh, by the way, if you fast forward a little bit, we got this game to within one score. We had a chance to to, you know, really make a make a legit comeback. We didn't. However, it's plays like this that we're going to focus on in three and throughout and say that was huge. So I look at this as a big in and say, yeah, there were some there's some issues. There's some issues on defense. However, are we better with Carlos Dunlap or worse? It's it's not close. Dunlap is a really solid edge guy. He seems fired up and a bit reborn to be in Seattle on a team that's the playoff bound and hopefully a nice playoff run. I'm here for it, Brandon. I'm here for number 43 to keep on racking up them sacks. Yes, a nice welcome to Seattle moment for Carlos Dunlap in this game. Ended up being on the field 46 out of the 68 snaps, he by pro football focus standards, he was the top graded player on the Seahawks defense. And, and really, I mean, was that hard on a game like today? But uh, <laughs> it was him. He, they have him counted. Yes, three uh, three sacks in the sack column by because they don't give out half sacks by pro football focus. If if you get to the quarterback, you get the full thing. And yeah, the other guy gets a full one, too. They just they they do it differently, but also had a quarterback hit, had a quarterback hurry. So finished the day with five pressures. And that tied for the team lead along with Jamal Adams. So, yeah, Carlos Dunlap, Jamal Adams, the two guys delivering the pressure and Jaron Reed in there, too. Uh, not only that, but he, he got it done in defending the run game, too. He had four stops on the day. So a really nice day by Carlos Dunlap in his first game as a member of the Seahawks. I'm looking forward to a lot more and more and more of that. And we're going to be you know going up against a Rams team next that... This is the kind of team where we've talked about this a lot, right? So, I, you know, you put Murray Murray into a, a bit of a different category and you got to do different things at Murray. However, you look at Garoppolo and company and you look at Goff, those are dudes where if you can get pressure, they are not as good as Allen. They're just, they're not, they're not on that level. They're just, they, they, they crumble a lot faster. They make more mistakes. They are not the scramblers Allen is. And they, they don't have the arm Allen does. He's just a better quarterback. So I'm looking forward to that same type of pressure next week. And I think a much different result because the level of quarterback is a peg or two down, at least from where Allen is at this point in his career. I concur. Okay, Brandon, we have got to get to this last out. We are ripping the Band-Aid off, off you know, after a, eh, I call it a tough loss, but, you know, the Arizona loss is a tough loss. This was just an ass kicking. So just call it, call it what it is and rip the bandaid off. Let's get, let's get on with life. But the last out, this one is kind of like a damned if you do, damned if you don't, Brandon. So it's third and 16. It's now, we just talked before that we got within seven. It's now the fourth quarter. It's 27 20. It's third and 16. And the, we talk about the sober yin and the raging yang. It's all about balance. It's all about having having the understanding that it can't be full throttle one way. It is always a give and take in life. And on third and 16, we just do a, a like in this case, like a student body blitz. Mm -hmm. We send everybody. We, I think I, I literally think we sent at least six, 
if not seven dudes. We send a lot of guys, including Adams. Buffalo, again, this is about coaching. Buffalo kind of sniffed this out and they throw a little dump off screen, a little wide receiver screen to John Brown, and he goes, poop. He goes, he went, I'm not sure what he went for. All I know is, it, there you go. I knew it was more than 16. So did you say 33? Is that 33, what you said? yeah. Yeah, so basically 16 pl- times two plus a little half on both sides there. And away we go, 33-yard screen to John Brown. Now, here's the thing. I can't sit here and be like, that's a dumb play call. How could you do that, Norton? Because last week I was screaming, hey, on third and long, we've got to we gotta bring more pressure. However... The reason I feel like I can at least bring it to light is the fact that this was not the first time in this game we were burnt on a wide receiver screen sending everybody. The the part that gets me is if that was the first time, if they reserved that and it was third and 16, they pull off a wide receiver screen for 33 yards and really, really crush our souls. You know, I just hat tip and say, bravo, that's a damn good call. This was the second time in the game where we did like basic all-out blitz and they burnt us with the screen at the exact right moment. So it's kind of a fool me once, you know, shame on me type thing. This was fool me twice, so shame on us. So I'm not sure who gets to wear that. I'm guessing I got to give that to Norton for calling the play as he did at that time. But boy, oh boy, was that a game changer. Well, Pete Carroll after the game said he was the one that called it. So I think you can hang this right on the head coach. Because oh, he, he that. admitted okay. that that was his call in that moment. So I I agree that that's worthy of being called out. But I also think it is situational in the sense of the Bills really only needed a field goal in that, in that situation. And I think by sending everybody and playing Quentin Dunbar so off so far off of Brown, that's that's what set this up to be a really big play for the Buffalo Bills. Good points there for sure, and and I, and I know because because I have a, I curate and I see uh, the the from the flock we're going to talk about later the section that we love so much. There's there's ample Dunbar um, love love is the wrong word. So but, it's the but, opposite but, word probably yeah, the opposite of love. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And the 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 challenge is like, but you're it's just like it's it's common commonsensical. Okay, you're going to send the house. However. The DBs that you do have out there, you're going to play them perpetually, it seems, you know, 10, 12 yards off the ball and just give up so much green. Again, I think that's going to come up as we get to the from the flock. And then that that's a big, big uh, yeah, theme if you're throughout sending the everybody, week. the ball's going to be coming out quick. You don't need to give yes. the receiver that much padding, right? Yes, yes. Just, just you know, lock up, go one-on-one. And if you give up, like you said, if you give up five, six, seven, eight, nine yards there, okay, no problem. Come out and let uh let let uh, let Seabass try his uh, his you know his leg and, and see if he's good. Which, by the way, I think going into the into the game, I think he was around thirteen of eighteen, and he's a rookie, I believe, right? So we're talking about a guy that's been good, you know, but 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 not not automatic, not great. So it, it's it's about that situational awareness, and it just seems again, it was like. Going back to the play that we called earlier, like it's like it's like you're playing a game of like stratomatic baseball or some like card, like Pokemon game or something like that, where we kept on flipping over the most obvious cards in the worst moments possible, where it was like, okay, I predict my opponent's gonna run this play and I'm going to absolutely crush it with this thing that you know, no, no can defend, right? Crane kick when you do it right, because we called the wrong damn play. So 
that seemed to happen way too much. So again, back to coaching. So yeah, man, if Carol, Carol gets that four year plus extension, well, guess what he also gets? He's going to wear that out. All right, Brandon. So if if a loss is uh, crappy, and it is, at least one of the silver linings is we get on three in, three out, at least. We get to end the discussion of the ins and the outs on an in. So let's get right into it. I'll, I'll be brief, which is saying something for me. I'll get right to it. I think Hollister is uh, once again in a position that he's he's just doing some things every single week. Last week we talked about his, his downfield blocking. We gave a, we gave the MVC the most valuable cranny to the tight end group for downfield blocking. This week it was Hollister just on just converting first downs. That guy, he was big. He was big over and over again. I think he had four catches. Maybe he had more. I think he had at least three first downs. He just seems to be in a bit of a groove where Russ has a lot of trust with Hollister again, which he really had the second half of last year. I'm not going to volley back and forth what that might mean for Olsen versus Hollister or who gets that 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 time or that shine. I do like the idea that there was more tight end involvement and that Hollister came through a couple of times. So without further ado, given the end to Hollister, thought he played a pretty darn good game and converted a couple of major third downs when things were looking mighty bleak. Yeah, DK Metcalf with the most catches on the day, seven catches, 108 yards on nine targets, but it was Hollister that had five receptions with seven targets. Next up, with uh, 60 yards receiving and Travis Homer had 64. If you're just looking at yards, uh, David Moore had 71 yards. Homer had 64. So in terms of pro football focus, it was Jacob Hollister, who was the number two rated player on offense in this game against the Bills. So, yeah, a, a very nice game uh, for Hollister overall and, and kind of a nice moment for him to have this big game because he was one of those guys, Clinton, that going into the trade deadline that people were saying, oh, yeah, well, maybe you get rid of Hollister, try and save some cap space. But in this game, he he looked like the number one tight end of this group of Will Disley and Greg Olson. He, yeah, he definitely did. And the other part that kind of rings true for me is that when NFL teams seem to figure something out, then it becomes a copycat league really quickly, right? Now, besides the fact that Buffalo just came out and threw the ball, they were like, oh, well, Seattle's not, <laughs> Seattle's clearly not that good at defending the pass. So we're just going to throw the ball, which seemed to, you know, catch our coaches, uh, you know, a little, Off guard a little somehow, out of sorts. Yeah. yeah, like somehow, right? Although the data is there that says Buffalo, you know, passes more than they than they run on on uh, on you know neutral plays. The data is out there, not not too hard to research. Um, but the other part is when Arizona did what they did to us, which is really which really happened in the fourth quarter and then in overtime. I think Buffalo looked at that and kind of schemed around that, looked at their personnel and said, okay, we can replicate a lot of that that style pressure along with those blitzes. And, and clearly they did. And against those blitzes, the role of that type of tight end that's a little shiftier, that really is more of a, you know, a guy that could, could go play slot and do, do other things and just get open quicker and find little pockets and zones becomes that much more important. So I think that's that we're seeing the the reemergence of Hollister a bit because unfortunately the other side is it's a copycat league they saw what Arizona did Buffalo just did it and I expect other teams to do it so as we head into the second half of the year I uh, you know if I'm, if I'm a betting man which you know in some ways I am I would lay some wood that if there's some over under out there about Hollister's reception second half of the year 
I'll put some wood on the over. I think, and it's squarely because other teams are going to try and do what Zona and the Bills just did to us. And if they do, well, we need a guy like Hollister who's a little bit quicker, can find those little pockets, sit down, and go gobble up eight yards, 10 yards, 12 yards, and who's very dependable with his hands. So the ins for Hollister, and it's also a bit of a look ahead because I do expect him to have a pretty darn good second half, just like he did last year. All right, Brandon, we're about to head into our favorite section of three and three out. This is, of course, from the flock. This is where you, the good people of the flock, you get to chime in. You hashtag it 3i3o. You find us on Twitter. You find us in other, in other avenues. And you tell us, you know, your two cents. And then, then we dig through it and we put you into the podcast. And frankly, this is what it's all about. This is, this is, this entire broadcast is for you. But Brandon, for the folks out there that maybe this is their first time hearing three in, three out, or they've been just reluctant to hop in to, to really get involved in one way or another, why don't you guide them through the ways in which they could, they could find the, the, the podcast that you put out every single week. And of course, the ways they can get involved with the program. You can follow along on Twitter at SeahawkersPod, or if you want to do our game day chat on Discord, you can go to GetInTheFlock.com. You can donate $3 a month, and that will get you into the Discord chat. If you want to be more involved throughout the week, you can get in our Facebook group at $12 a month, and that is GetInTheFlock.com. Be part of our group there and, and be part of this community that we're all a part of that you know follows the Seahawks together and, and, and lives and dies with our team together. Well, maybe not lives and dies, but, uh, you know, the hits, the highs and lows with. And yes, we're all fanatics here, of course, right? We're, we're listening to a, a, what is a niche Seahawks podcast, and we dive into this content that we thirst for even after a loss, because that's the type of fans we are. So, Brandon, let's get into From the Flock, because these this is the type of fans we are. We have an amazing, you, you and Adam have built an amazing community of, of little flockers. So, why don't you reach into that bag of tricks and pull one out and start the From the Flock section the only way you know how. Let's start with Schmick, a familiar name at Mickey Swank on Twitter, says out this first quarter, all aspects. Yeah, it was it wasn't it was it was ugly. It was ugly fast. We didn't convert when it was 14 to nothing. And you certainly can't win the game in the first quarter, but you certainly can set yourself up for a pretty bad loss in the first quarter. And that's what happened there. I'm going to flip the script right now. Scoot Sticks in the Discord. I had not seen Scoot Sticks yet. Uh, Brandon, I'm not sure if you know who that is, uh, but, you know, besides besides their the moniker they gave themselves. However, they say, let's give Myers some love. He's been pretty money through eight games. He. He's right. I mean, it, Myers had, a, again, the kicks he's being asked to make, he's making them, and he's been good. Well, Scoot Sticks, taking my advice then, because I think I said at the end of the Field Goals recap podcast that uh, Myers would have been one of the guys deserving of an in, not missing any kicks after that game. So, yes, I, I almost telegraphed that one. We got Slopez in the Discord, 7597, Russ throwing floaters for pick. Out. Yeah, you know, we talked about this. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago uh, during the Zona game that that some of some of Russ's um, interceptions were, you know, any interceptions a bad is a bad uh, outcome, and some uh, this year have been bad decisions. With all that, I think one one this this week was you know squarely on Russ, and then I think the other turnovers are just what they are when you're when you're put in a corner and you're putting pressure on a guy, even if it's Russ. 
long third downs where he has no choice but to put it up. You know, you're going to, you're going to get what you get here. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a stinky one. It is what it is. What we know about Russ is that his mentality will be ready for the next game against the Rams. So I, I, I predict a riot. And I mean that in a good way and a bounce back from Russ. I'm going to switch it up real quick. This is not a good way. However, got to give some love to Mike at MCG2587 on Twitter. A little harsh, but hey, I, I'm not here to censor anybody. He says, a Dunbar conviction would have benefited this defense. Ouch. Yeah, ouch. <laughs> ouch is right, but maybe not Maybe not incorrect, at least this game, right? Yeah, that was, that was a rough game for Dunbar, and you almost wish that Pete Carroll would have made that shift a little bit sooner to get him off the field, because I, I don't think that there's really anything worse that you but i but i but Dunbar i want to showed up a lot in the outs so uh yeah, the, yeah so for uh design pete's beach house for christopher rolf whoever else was putting dunbar in the out column all of you have uh have nailed down one of the biggest problems from this game yeah, and you, you're you are all heard. We just can't we can't say the same one, you know, uh, twelve times, unfortunately. But that's but it's also fifty million Elvis fans can't be wrong. We all saw what we saw, and you know, one thing I want to ask you about, Brandon, is you know, I I know that you're you're friends with the guys from uh, the, uh, the 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 Seahawks Nest podcast, and they talk a bit about I think it's called uh, quarters. Mm-hmm. I, I I believe it's called quarters, and that's you know a style of D that we that we play that lit- that is literally literally like the hey. Play the eight yard cushion on both on both uh you know both sides of the ball with the corners and let them do exactly what they did. So if I had a lob it to you and say how much of it is the coaching and how much of it is bad execution by Dunbar in this game, where would you where would you side? Yeah, when you when you hear them talking about quarters, that's and I think we've even talked about it a little bit even in, in some of the interviews that I've had with folks where they they talk about the cover four defense. But mm-hmm. um, in this game, I don't think that they were doing that as much because they were uh, they were blitzing so often in this game. And so then they had to do a lot more man to man or they had, you know, the, the single high safety. We, we did see we did see digs get beat on that it, again. I think you were right on when you were saying in this game, it was like they were playing the obvious card and they had the the exact right play. For, for knowing what the Seahawks were, were going to do. And so this was just Pete Carroll being outcoached. And you hope in a game like this that it, it kind of wakes you up a little bit, you know, like if you're Daniel going to face Johnny again, you're <laughs> going to look for the leg sweep the next time. Like you don't go into that matchup a second time and get just caught off guard when when Johnny goes to sweep the leg. So in the way that I am kind of an optimist, I, I'm hoping that this is a wake-up call for Pete Carroll and the defense. Yeah, I, I sure hope so too. And uh, and and I want to spin it real quick back to back to another end to keep to keep the keep some of the good vibes going because this one was all about the good vibes. I gotta give a shout out to Flocktimus. So Flocktimus Prime, Keith Ketover, a couple of weeks in a row, I just flat out missed some of the, some of his contributions. And you know, I feel shame. I go to the sin bin for two minutes, and I feel shame. But Keith comes in with an in says, we get to see Clinton and Golden Hawk, which is you on, on Discord, Brandon, work their magic to find any ins from this game. So I want to say thank you, Keith, because, you know, it's it's a labor of love and we like to dig deep. So want to give you some love there, my man. Garen Taylor, he comes in with an in. How about recognizing one of the corners who wasn't a dumpster fire? And it was Trey Flowers in this game. 
Garen says, I actually thought he played a decent game for his very low ceiling. He still is not good enough to be a number one, but I wasn't yelling at him the whole game. And in fact, we saw some plays from him. He was the the guy who took down John Brown at the what two yard line after Dunbar uh, on that screenplay. So you got to see some hustle from Flowers. And I, I think he solidified himself as the starter once Shaquille Griffin comes back into the game. Yeah, Trey might have had his, his best game of the year, and all I can say there is I hope that trend continues. Yeah, you, you hope the trend continues because you just hope he can be, we need one guy just to be average opposite Shaquille Griffin. And if Trey Flowers can be that guy, that's fine. Maybe maybe Dunbar comes back and, and bounces back and he can be that guy. They just need one other corner to just be average. Speaking of average and above average, Kevin Dietrich over in the uh, Seahawkers pod ring of honor on Facebook. Once again, getting the flock.com so you can join it. He says in the D line who managed to get a number of sacks and they, they would have forced a critical fourth down if not for that Adams penalty. So he's, he's doing the thing, Brandon, where he gives it in, but he's also given a bit of out there to, to that, to that Adams penalty that we, we, we know he's, we know he's referring to there. He's talking about, he, but again, like, it wasn't it wasn't the run defense and we put pressure on you know we put pressure with seven sacks um it was just other areas that were glaringly not good for the seahawks this past sunday hong kong hawk comes in with an in says if you're gonna lose an interconference game loss is the least damaging yeah i mean bright side right there right it's, it's, he's he's not wrong he's not hey that goes back to we're six and two and it was almost almost like losing a, a like losing a friendly in soccer and yes this year only one team the one seed will get the bye week when it comes playoff time which is going to be huge so we we really ought to still angle for that however the point's not lost on us that is that is that's just the facts right there. Hey, there's another in here, Clinton, and this will mm. probably just be an inside gag for the people who are in the discord. So see another incentive to get in there because people who know and were there, they will know that you do not have to go pantsless now for the rest of the season. And people find that to be an in. Yeah, that pe- people might find that to be an in. However, the joke might be on you because I don't wear pants, you know, rarely ever anyway. So, but the the truth of the matter is, I was out and about, uh, I had to do something in town, and when I got back to sit down for the game, I still had underwear on, and I'm like, you know, you know, then then the game started off all all shambles. Like, I'm like, what am I doing with underwear on? This is so. This, this is, is a pantsless bad deal. in the British sense. No, this, you know, I put shorts back oh, on okay. after it was, it was more straight up. I mean, you know, Adam had called it out correctly on the uh, discord. It was more just straight up, you know, you know, free, free as the wind blows. And we started to turn the game around. So it was, it was, let's put it this way. It was too constrictive. I made sure things were loosened up and we started to play better. So I'm, I'm happy with that. And guess what? Starting next game. You know what, Brandon, I might have to take a little bit of responsibility this this just dawned on me. I never watch games with underwear on. <laughs> Who wears underwear nowadays? So I take responsibility for this loss. I'm going to cleanse my Hawkra live with you right now. I started a game with underwear on. I deserve to wear this L out for out me. Out for Clinton. Now you know. And, and going into this game, coming up against the Rams, you can prepare yourself ahead of the game. Get in uniform, if you will ahead of the game and this way that the Seahawks can come away with a win and it's not your fault. This is 
this is a call to arms, right? This is a this is a rallying cry for every single person that is in the flock already. Just let when it becomes Sunday, and it will, because that's how you know time works. It'll be Sunday before we know it. Let's all do ourselves the favor. Do a do a uniform check. Just do a little uniform check. And I'm gonna again the call to arms is let's all go underwear less this next game and just see what happens. No, unless you have lucky underwear that you have reserved because everybody's uniform is different. So so don't call everybody to wear your uniform. All right, fine. For those who don't want to wear underwear, I want you to rally over to the side of being underwear-less and let's see what happens for us. Those who have lucky underwear, continue doing what you do and please prepare your underwear accordingly and then we'll have great balance, which is what three in, three out is all about. And with that, there's nothing left to say. Go Hawks. (laughs) All right, go Hawks.